Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. I don't know if anybody else is feeling like this, but to me, it seems like right now is the storm before the calm of the holiday season. Like I literally am in a three-week span. I'm at week three of three, to be clear. We're almost through of no joke, 21 recordings. And part of that is my own doing because I have a lot of traveling coming up, but it's like everybody's just trying to get everything done now. You know, we have, we just had Halloween. We have Thanksgiving coming up. People just want to get things done and it's really freaking stressful. Like, oh my goodness, I'm having such a hard time balancing, you know, work and my sanity. Um, I, to the point where I've started doing this thing, what I'm calling it this thing, it's not an official thing, but in order to kind of cope with all of it, I'm trying to do two phone free activities a day in order to just like stay a little sane and not spend all of my time working and on social media. I been, you know, going to a Pilates class or a workout class, not because I want to work out, but literally because it forces me to not be on my phone. Like I will leave the phone in the locker room or leave it at my apartment, which actually isn't good because I need to like check in with my barcode. Um, so I don't think they're a fan of when I leave it at my apartment, but it's just like 45 minutes of not looking at my phone. And it's been so nice. Other phone free activities that I've been doing, I've gotten back into coloring my adult coloring book obsession. Um, loving that even like I've been reading a lot more. I'm currently reading Carrie Soto is back. The new Taylor Jenkins reads book, Taylor Jenkins read, Taylor Jenkins read, reads, read. I don't know, but I've been reading it um, and enjoying that. And even like I'm literally considering watching a show, a, a phone free activity where I just leave my phone in the other room or leave my phone in the charger and I'm fully watching the show. I don't care if I'm looking at another screen. I just need to be not on my phone. So that's kind of where I'm at of, you know, trying to stay sane and prioritize my mental health and not spend you know, 12 hours a day attached to my phone, but it's definitely tough. If anyone has any other suggestions of phone free activities, I absolutely welcome them. I definitely need some more. Um, I try and go to the dog park and not look at my phone, but I always want to bring my phone with me when I'm out with Barkley, just God forbid anything happens or if he's being really cute and I want to take a picture. So that's like a half phone free activity, but it doesn't fully you know, achieve that goal. But yeah, any phone free activities, suggestions you guys have, please let me know. Um, I have so much exciting stuff coming up. First of all, if you're in the New York City area, Wednesday, November 2nd, which if you're listening to this today, it comes out that is tomorrow, I will be doing my second ever live event. I'm going to be on a panel at the Alala store in the West Village. It is going to be an event where we're talking about being female founders and dating in New York. It is with the founder of Alala and the founder of Mindset Wellness CBD, Renee Shapiro, who I absolutely adore. And I am so excited for this event. It is such an honor to be, you know, speaking alongside these incredible and inspiring women and to be talking about dating and to get to meet you guys. I met so many of you at the Moxie event a few weeks ago, and that was honestly just the coolest, most special thing. So it is free to attend. I have the link in the show notes here. All you have to do is register to reserve your spot because space is limited. It's kind of a small, small store. It's going to be super casual. You guys, we're going to just do like this little panel standing, sitting on the floor, very casual, very intimate. There will be 
drinks there. There will be snacks. There will be mindset wellness gummies. It's going to be a great time. So link in bio or sorry, link in show notes um, to attend female founders dating in the city and more details at that link. So again, that is tomorrow or Wednesday, November 2nd. Um, Some other exciting things I have coming up. I have a lot of traveling coming up. Jake and I are going to Las Vegas in a week. We're going um, for the Jonas Brothers concert. It was actually his idea. Am I lucky or am I lucky? Um, We're going for four nights. Vegas is definitely not my favorite place, but Jake actually lived there for a year after college. So we're going to go to like the apartment complex that he lived at and his favorite burger place. So I'm excited to see, you know, that aspect of his world that I've never really gotten to learn about. And obviously excited to see the brothers. We have two back-to-back concert nights. So It's going to be a great time. And then for Thanksgiving, for a week and a half, I'm going down to Florida to see my parents. They just went back there for the winter. So really excited for that. I love, you know, walking around the neighborhood and being outside of the city. And Barkley loves it down there. And then Jake and I are actually going on a big trip to Hawaii in the beginning of December. And I'm so excited. We've had that plan for like almost a year now. And we're starting to actually like plan the day-to-day of it and different excursions we want to do and dinners. And I really can't wait. So a lot of exciting things coming up that I will definitely keep you guys updated on and be posting all about. So make sure you're following along at seeing other people on Instagram and at Alana Dunn on TikTok. All right. We have a really exciting episode today. I have Leslie Grant, who is the host of Interstates and Heartbreaks, coming on the podcast. And we are talking about a very hot topic, actually two very hot topics, breaks. People always ask, do breaks work? Should my partner and I go on a break? Is it doomed if they want to go on a break? All of these questions I get all the time. We are going to talk all about breaks, if they can work, ways to make them work, what situations may they work in, what situations should they not happen in. We're also going to talk about being friends with exes. Oh my God, such a hot topic. I have never succeeded at this. Leslie has. So we are going to, you know, swap some stories and share again, like what situations can it work? What do the, you know, outside and inside factors have to be? Where do you each need to be in order for it to make sense? When should you absolutely not be friends with an ex? We're going to talk about all of this stuff. It is such a great episode. Leslie is so awesome. Make sure you check out Interstates and Heartbreaks, her podcast. It's so great. And I'm such a big fan of hers. So let's get into the episode. Before we do, don't forget if you think your profile is not serving you, it's not helping you attract the right people. It's not getting you the results that you want. Your dating app profile. I do dating app profile revamps. I also do emotional support human sessions. If you have a specific dating question or situation you want to talk through, if you just need to vent because you don't necessarily want to go to your friends, or if you just want to, you know, shoot the shit with me about dating, about podcasting, about whatever is going on in your life, you can book that have a link to book either one-on-one session in the show notes. And yeah, I love getting to know you guys. I've actually been doing like so many of them lately and it's been such a blast connecting with you all is my favorite, favorite thing to do. So without further ado, let's do it. Let's get into the episode. And we are here with Leslie Grant from Interstates and Heartbreaks. Leslie, welcome to seeing other people. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. 
I am so excited to have you. And to anyone who's watching this, I'm obsessed with the pink in your uh, video right now. Like, it's so fun. I'm like, wait, why don't I have that? I want to be in a, a pink, like, aura room. <laughs> Thank you. So I have to give my boyfriend full credit. He was on my podcast and saw my, like, dinky setup in my one bedroom and was like, I have an extra room. Like, we can elevate this. Like, I didn't realize everything that goes into it. And so he, like, bought these lights and, like, bought me a new camera. It was, like, very sweet oh my god jake needs to step it up <laughs> and he can hear me and he just poked his head out from the desk and he's like, like what, what do i need to do talking now about uh-oh <laughs> we all we always joke that jake does everything so i'll be like can you like get the remote and he'll be like always doing everything i'm like i know you do everything i do nothing but i i like to think i do some stuff we'll see. <laughs> i'm sure you do quite a lot but this is we'll one see. more thing to add to his list Yes. Um, so what is new with you? Tell everyone just in case they aren't familiar with interstates and heartbreaks, you know, how you got started and what you've been up to with it. Yeah. So I didn't really know what my plan was for this podcast. I, I think I'd like bought the domain name interstates and heartbreak before I knew what I wanted to do. Cause I was like, Oh, that's just like kind of fun. And then over time as I became single, so I was in like two back to back two year relationships. And then I became single at 27 and 27 is not old, but like to me at the time, it felt like a time to, when I was old in theory, you know, cause I was like just becoming single for the first time in a while, just navigating the dating apps and all my friends who were my age for the most part were in relationships. So I went on all these dates. It was new territory. Luckily I had some other friends through like work who were also single and could commiserate. So I would like talk with these friends about my dates and talk to my friends who were just like fascinated about online dating about my dates. And I had a couple of people who I would joke with like, oh, we should start a podcast. But in reality, it's like they were coworkers. We were way too busy to coordinate anything. But I was like, there's something to this. I started interviewing my friends who I was like, oh, you have an interesting story, whether it was like one of my guy friends who'd been single for seven years. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy friend who married his high school sweetheart now has two children with her. So just people who had unique perspectives. And I got like 10, 11 episodes and then the pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, you're not doing anything. So if there were ever a time to release this podcast and learn how to edit, learn how to distribute it, all of that, it's now. And so, oh, so I, you were just recording the episodes and not releasing them. Like it was just really mm -hmm. for fun. Yeah. Wow. I just had like a backlog and I knew I wanted to do something with them, but I didn't have like a timeline or a plan for when I was going to get mm -hmm. it together because I was just so busy. And so it was really a pandemic project that got it, that had its footing pre-pandemic. I love that so much. And I think that's really like why you're so great at it. And you're such a good storyteller and interviewer is because you did this out of like true passion, like wanting to do it, not just like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast because it's like a good thing to do for work. Like, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, like you really wanted to help people share their stories. And I really admire that. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. So, okay. You mentioned your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I want to hear all about this relationship. I know that's something that we wanted to talk about. So how did you two originally meet? Yeah. So we met on Hinge and we met shortly before the pandemic began. So I actually can't remember if we matched end of February or early March. I think it was end of February because we matched and then our schedules just weren't aligning. It was like, 
I went away to San Diego for a bit and then he had like a snowboarding trip and it was getting to the tail end of where I was like, it's probably going to fizzle out if we don't meet soon. And like, clearly something was intriguing. And I like, for some people I'd be like, if it fizzles, that's fine. But I didn't want it to fizzle. So he asked me on a date and unfortunately I had another date that night and I didn't want to say that he knows now the cat's out of the bag, but I was just like, Oh, I'm going to get home late that night. But what if we do a FaceTime? And it was so funny because FaceTime dating became the norm like one month later, but at that time the pandemic hadn't really taken hold. So it was kind of a Mm -hmm. weird thing to suggest. Luckily he was down. I had low expectations and was like, it's going to be so awkward. Like I've never FaceTimed with a stranger before but he was so easy to talk to. He was just like cooking in his kitchen. And after that, my interest went from like mid-level to like very high. So luckily he was interested too. He asked me on a date and it got closer to when the pandemic was ratcheting up. Like everyone knows the time, like the NBA canceled their games, like Tom Hanks got positive for COVID and people were finally like, oh, we should take this seriously. And he's a firefighter paramedic. So he very much was like, no, this is a big deal. Whereas I was not as aware of like how serious it was going to get. You were like, oh, it'll be the two weeks. Literally, I was that person. I was like, oh my God, what an inconvenience, but I'll see you guys soon. And then fast forward to present day. But yeah, so the day before our date was the day before, or the day of our date was the day before LA, you know, administered its stay at home order. And so he was like, maybe like, do you think it's a good idea to meet? But in my mind, I was like, this is the most excited I've been for a date in a long time. Like we're going to meet. And so he said, okay. And we met for dinner and it was a great first date. And then the next night it was like, well, we can't do anything in public. So that was a challenge. Did you feel like there was added pressure? The stakes were raised after this FaceTime date because you know, your interest kind of jumped up a lot. Like how did you handle that? I feel like it raised the stakes for sure, but I also felt like my comfort level was a little higher because I was like, if I can FaceTime with him and not feel awkward, then like, why would the date be awkward? So that helped a lot. And like, normally I would say like, oh, I wouldn't necessarily want to do a Saturday date with like a stranger, like someone I'm just meeting for the first time. But it was like, we met on a Saturday. I was in a different mindset than like some previous dates where I would be rushing from the office and like, maybe not in the most sexy mindset. I was like, I could take my time. I had like a glass of wine. I like took the Metro to our date. So everything about it was kind of like chill. And so I think that also helped. You brought up a good point about like the the Saturday date and the day of the week. And a few people have asked me this recently because it was an AMA question on the seeing other people's story about different nights of the week to go on dates. And I'm curious what your like, favorite or what you think are the best nights for like maybe a first date or a second date? Um, Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on in general? Like if somebody were to do a Friday or Saturday first date? I would say even though like this was a success, I do think that the FaceTime kind of like made it a different scenario because I've been on Friday and Saturday first dates and then been like, this was a little bit of a dud and like I could have been hanging out with friends. So I would say Thursday is a good night because like everyone's kind of in a better mood on Thursday. It's a little more fun. You're a little more likely to stay out late than like a Monday, Tuesday when you're like, I still have the whole week ahead of me, but it's relatively Mm -hmm. low stakes. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Thursdays, if you have like, everyone's always like, Oh, like I'm so busy. How do I make time for dating? It's like, pick one night a week, reserve one night a week. And it could be a Thursday night or Mm -hmm. even a Wednesday. If Thursday doesn't work for you, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, like all you have to do is pick one night a week. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, here's my one thing that I think is a pro to a weekend first date is because I've had friends be like, okay, Alana, like he asked me to do like Friday night. Like, is that weird? Should I like (laughs) ask him to do sometime next week? I'm like, you know what? If he's giving you your Friday night, it's probably a sign that he's actually like serious about looking for Mm -hmm. something. You know, he's not just trying to squeeze you in like between working out and whatever show he's watching on a Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's giving you a weekend night. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like that might not always be the case. I always say I don't make assumptions, but I do think if someone's giving you a weekend night, like they're a little more likely to be serious. I agree. I think there's one caveat because I had two guys before I met my boyfriend and I went on these Saturday dates And the place they suggested was like a red flag because I was like, okay, I know this bar. I've been to this bar many times and there are bars that you go to, to like get drunk. What bar was it? Um, okay. So one of them was bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood. And then the other one was Roosterfish in like Abbott Kinney, Venice area. And they're fun bars, but it's like, yeah, like people get really drunk there. So like, I wouldn't have ever thought of that as a first date place. And I was kind of like, this says a lot about their intentions. And I was right. So yeah, well, a lot of variables at play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's really funny. (laughs) Yeah, I love hearing about the different like classic date spots in different cities, because I obviously know the ones in New York. And I mean, I even had friends who like guy friends who would have a first date spot and take every single one of their Mm -hmm. first dates to one of these like most cliche date spots. And like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, All right, back to your relationship. So pandemic hits, what happens next? So it was interesting because I think again, because I still have these rose colored glasses on about how serious things were going to escalate. I think that kind of helped because had I known what I know today, I don't think I would have continued to date him as like a first responder. It's like, he's literally one of the most high risk people. He like got COVID in June before any of my other friends got it. And yeah, so we went on our second date and it was kind of like, normally I wouldn't go on a second date at someone's house, but it's like, we can't do anything else. So he cooked me dinner. It felt like very intimate actually. Cause I remember I knock on his door and he like kisses me as like, he greets me. And I was like, wow, that's like very familiar. Most people don't like kiss you hello on the second date. And then it was like the fact that he was cooking me dinner, which was really Mm -hmm. nice. And like, we made out on the couch. So it was kind of like it escalated a little quickly. So I had to kind of, you know, take extra measures to like not get too far ahead of myself because I could tell I really liked him and I didn't want to like fall before I really knew like what was going on. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things to do in early stages of dating because you start to you know, get really in your head and you're like, okay, I do like this person. For me, that was always the scariest part. Like I always talk about how much dating anxiety I had, but it wasn't about like, is the date going to go well? Am I going to like look good enough? It was more so like the second the date ended, Mm -hmm. a screw would just go loose or would literally fall out of my head. (laughs) And I'd be like, and if I, if I had a good time on the date, I'd be like, oh no, I like this person. I'm probably going to get hurt now. Yeah. And one thing that also made it hard is like once it became clear that things were going to continue and we were going to be home for a while, I was like, okay, well, I want to spend some time in San Diego with my mom. So then I was like, well, now I can't see him for like at least two weeks and then go down. And then I was, so I didn't see him for like six weeks. 
And mm-hmm. we hadn't talked about being exclusive or anything. I was, I wasn't seeing anyone else. Cause it's like, I'm not going to start dating anybody now, right. you know? Um, but I was like, I don't know if he is. And so we would like FaceTime here and there, but it was kind of hard. It would be like, we'd have these FaceTimes and I'd be like, Oh my God, it's so great. But then like, we would have a stretch and I'd be like, but what's going on? Like, I really like him. Am I going to see him when I get back? So there was a lot of anxiety around that. Yeah. That question mark of like, when's the next time I'm going to see this person is definitely a battle to get through. Mm -hmm. So at what point did this become really a relationship? Okay. So there's like kind of two phases to our like talking stage. So I come back from San Diego. We are like, there's all this anticipation around us meeting up. He'd been like, I'm ever going to see you again. We like have this really great date. And then we like end up having sex for the first time. And it was great. You know, I was like, okay, this is like going well still no talk of exclusivity. And I had known because on our first date, this came up, which I know is like a red flag universally. I think it was like when our last relationship was because he mentioned I was like his first online date. And I was like, Oh, like, when was your last relationship? So it came up organically, but he had like broken up with his ex somewhat recently. And I guess, you know, like she had messaged him because his younger brother had just gotten married. And so she like knew him, obviously, and was like, Oh, congratulations. And he was like, you know, I'm, I don't want to get back with her, but like this, like rekindling ish made me realize like, I don't know if I'm ready for another serious relationship. So I was kind of like, okay, like that sucks. You know, it's like a bit abrupt, um, especially after what just happened, but fine. And so I like, was not thinking we were going to talk. So then Mm -hmm. fast forward until I think it was end of August, he reaches out and he's like, I'm sorry that things ended kind of abruptly. And I just like apologize. I got COVID after. So this was like the June COVID that he caught. And like, I feel like that was my karma. And like, I can't stop thinking about you, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like a little intrigued, of course, but cautious. We meet up and he's saying all these things about how he wants to date again. And so I'm like, okay, like we go to dinner and like we part ways. And then I'm like, well, this wasn't a date. It was kind of like him explaining himself. And then we go on a real date. He like brings flowers. He like buys all this food for a picnic. So it's like a lot of effort. And I'm like, oh my God, that's really nice. And then we are on this picnic and he's like, this is so great. Like I went on the worst first date last night and like, this is so much better. And in my mind, I'm like, what? Like, I know that we're not exclusive, but like, why are you making all this effort and like trying to, he's trying to win you back kind of. Yeah. So that was like, okay, hold the phone. And I'm the type of person where I am not going to like really react in the moment. Like I really need time to kind of think about what I'm going to say and like, make sure that I'm presenting myself properly. And like, it's thought out rather than being super reactive. (laughs) Sometimes it's like a little (laughs) avoidant, but that's how I like spin it as that's the positive. (laughs) Like I get to think through what I want to say. So we finished the date. I'm like, okay. And then I think the next time we met up, I wouldn't have normally done this, but I was like, okay, I just want to know like where your head is at. And I say that, like, I came to it really straightforwardly. Really, it was like, my face is so expressive. And so I'd been telling him about how crazy work was that week. I was like working all weekend and like carved out a little time for dinner. And so then we're like at his place. And he's like, are you thinking about work right now? Kind of calling me out. And I was like, actually, no. What had been on my mind was like, when are you going to bring this up? And so I was like, well, now is my chance. And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm a little confused because it seems like you're putting in this effort to like rekindle things, but like you're still on the apps and... 
it's not that like we have to be boyfriend girlfriend right now, but I just feel like you know enough about me at this point to know if you want to date exclusively. And he's like, you're right. And so he was like, yeah, you know, I I do want to give things a shot and be exclusive. And then my birthday was a few weeks later. We went to like Long Beach to do something just like low key. And he asked me to be his girlfriend that weekend. So happily ever after one would think. Well, okay. One would think. Okay. I'll I'll be quiet. Keep going. Okay. So yeah, things are going well. It's like my birthday's end of October. I like met his parents pretty quickly after that because they live in LA. So it's like not a big deal. They live very close to him, but it was like a total surprise. He was like, oh yeah, like I know we're going to watch the election results together. Do you want to watch my parents? And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a high pressure night to meet someone's parents, but like fine. And then not only did it end up being his parents, it was like his brother and sister-in-law, his aunt, his cousin. I was like, wow, this is a lot. Everyone is so lovely and fantastic. So it's like, they made me feel so comfortable. But like I met his parents, like all the stuff. He met my mom because she came up like, I. oh my God, I tore my Achilles like a couple weeks after we became official. And Ouch. so he was like taking care of me. My mom came up and then he met her. So it's like everything is going really well. And then I still remember the week when we ended up breaking up because I was like, it feels a little off. Like, I think it was the winter of 2020, like it was pretty bad pandemic wise. And so he was like feeling very overworked. There was, and still kind of is like a firefighter shortage. And so he was working a ton of overtimes, just like seeing a lot of like really horrific things happen. And, you know, I just feel like it was taking a toll on him and he wasn't necessarily able to articulate that in, or maybe he didn't want to articulate it and like put it on me, but I could like tell something was a little off and like that there were a, a couple of things where it's like, he's present, but I feel like he's like pushing me away a tiny bit. And I remember like he had like this therapy appointment and I kind of had in my mind, I'm like, this therapy appointment is either going to bring like a lot of clarity and help us, or we're going to break up. Like his therapist might be like, you're not ready to be in a relationship. And of course I didn't ask what his therapist said, but like the next day we met up and like, he was like, I like, just don't feel like I'm in a place where I can like give you what you deserve in a relationship. And I know that that sounds like bullshit, you know, it's like, like there's arguments to be made about like, you can work through this. Like I was willing to work through it. So like, why would you cut it off and like kind of put an end to things prematurely and tell me like what I'm willing to accept or not. Right. But I didn't have any hard feelings. You know, I was like, he's going through a lot and I have no hard feelings, but I am never going to talk to him again. You know, we're not going to be friends. Like we didn't start out as friends and, you know, we've kind of gone through this like twice at this point. So I wish him well. And so that was like the weekend before Thanksgiving, we broke up. I heard from him like on Christmas Eve, he was like, oh, like, I hope you're having a good holiday. I hope your Achilles is healing well. Cause he also felt bad for breaking up with me, like while I was injured. And I was like, yeah, like, thanks for reaching out. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I really miss our like conversations. Like we connected so well. And I said like, yeah, I'm really glad that we can look back on our friendship fondly. Cause I was like, I don't want to oh be cruel, but I'm yeah. also really closing the door to be like, yeah, we're not going to reconnect. I'm not going to be like, yeah, we should like hang out. I miss talking to you too. So then I was how, like, how, how did you in your mind, like put up that boundary? Because for me, like, and, and I, I kind of want to go back to what you said about like him saying, like, I can't give you what you deserve. Cause I've had that said to me too. And in my mind, same reaction is like, who are you to decide what I'm willing to accept? And in hindsight, I was able to realize like, yeah, 
I did deserve more and they were not in a place to give me that. But had they come back, I would have been there. Wait, like I would have been there like open arms, like, yeah, like now you can let me accept the bare minimum. Great. Mm -hmm. I just want to be with you. So like, how did you, you know, stay strong like that? I have made that mistake before. I think like with one ex in particular, it was like, he kind of like tried to break up with me kind of early on, but we had this long history. And so in my mind, I had this like thing of like, well, we're meant to be together. Like we've known each other for this long. And like, clearly it's supposed to be us at the end. Even though if I took one step back, I would have realized we were not a good fit at all. And so it's like, he tried to break up with me early on. And I kind of like tried to convince him that we should be together and like, let's give it a chance. And then we like drew this relationship out so long and I was like, man, you really should have just listened to him. And like, you could have saved yourself so much time and like eventual hurt by not doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. And I applaud you for learning from. <laughs> it took a long time, that, Alana. Like yeah. he tried to break up with me twice. So it, I didn't learn the first time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I've been there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys, we've made the mistakes for you. So now you can learn from us and not exactly. and spare yourselves the pain. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So you respond, mm-hmm. say the friendship bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continue with my life. And so I was just kind of like, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking about him that much. I was thinking about him in the sense of like, I hope he's okay. Cause I knew, I knew it was like very heavy hard times. Yeah. Um, but then when I heard from him, maybe three weeks later, it was like January, I was again, like, Oh, like, why is he texting me? And I don't even remember how it started, but he kind of early on was like, Oh, I would love to get dinner. And as much as I was like, that door is closed. I was like, okay, I do want to hear what he has to say. Like, I was curious. I also just thought that like, he probably wanted to make sure I didn't hate him. I feel like guys have this thing where like, they don't want to be the bad guy, even if they have like really fucked up. So I'm like, maybe he just wants closure and like, that's fine. So then we're talking and I'm like, I'm not sure what the intention is, but as the like days and eventually weeks, cause he was in Mexico again, I was in San Diego. So he was like, do you want to meet up this weekend? I couldn't. And then he was in Mexico. So it was like a while of us texting and uh, it became clear that it was like flirty and we ended up meeting on Valentine's day. And the funny thing was because he was in Mexico and like, doesn't work like a Monday to Friday, I was kind of like, I don't know that he knows it's Valentine's day. Cause he's like, what if we get dinner on Sunday? He's like, I come back Friday night, but I work Saturday. What about Sunday? This is Sunday, 2021. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Mine and Jake's first date was the week before. And we were trying to plan our next date. And he was like, what about Sunday? And then like, (laughs) I hadn't answered yet. And then I think he like realized like, Oh shit. I just asked her on for a second date on (laughs) Valentine's day. I think we ended up doing the day after. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I don't think he knows. And later he was like, I didn't initially know, but he realized. And then over text, we were deciding where to go. And I was like, he's like, yeah, what do you want? And I always want sushi. Like I could eat sushi any day. He's not the biggest sushi fan. So I was like, I mean, you know me, I would get sushi, but like, let's get something that we both want. And then he said, well, it's Valentine's day. I want to treat you. And so I was like, okay, like that kind of says something about what his intentions are. And again, I had like a wall up going into this. I'm like, I'm going to look really good, but like, I also don't know what this is. So like trying to be a little more reserved. 
And then as soon as he comes to pick me up, I just felt like the wall drop immediately because we just like had such an easy cadence and like he's so disarming. And so like in a good way, not in like a sleazy manipulative way. And so I was like, okay, like this actually feels really nice. It's easy to talk to him. But then as soon as we sat down to dinner, I was kind of like, so why did you want to get dinner? And he was like, you know, I've been going to therapy really consistently and like really working on things. And like throughout this whole time, I haven't been able to stop thinking about you. And I want to be in a committed relationship with you. But the key thing he said was like, I understand that you probably need time. And like, I'm willing to give you as much time as you need. Because I did. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to just be like, yeah, I'll be your girlfriend again. I was kind of like interested to see where it went. um, But Mm -hmm. it was also like, well, let's see if it's like actually, if it actually feels like there's been a change and he's made things work. And I did ask him too. I was like, I mean, not to be harsh, but like, do you feel like you are kind of coming back because you think that this will kind of help you overcome like what you're going through in a way? And he was like, no, like, I wouldn't put you through that. Like, I really do feel like I've worked through it. And like, I'm going to continue going to therapy. Like, I just want to be with you because I really enjoyed what we had and I missed you. So we dated for like a month and I wouldn't say we were exclusive yet. I think the funny thing is like I was still swiping on the apps, but there was nobody who I even like really matched with. There was no one exciting at all. And I didn't want to go on a date just for the sake of being like, well, I'm going to be like on the market. And after a month, I was kind of like, it is going really well. And like, he hasn't done anything to make me feel doubtful. Like he's made his intentions very clear. So like, if I'm going to keep seeing him, I might as well give it like a real shot. Do you think that, well, okay, I have two initial thoughts. One, do you think that had the, in like November, had he approached it as like, I want to take a break? Mm -hmm. Do you think things would have worked out or gone differently? I think it could actually have been the same result because... Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of times breaks feel like so ominous and it seems like a cop out, like when someone wants to break up with you, but they like are trying to ease out of it. But I think it could have had the same impact if he really took the same approach of like, I'm on this break. I'm not dating right now. I'm like going to therapy and being intentional and then really evaluating my health and readiness for a relationship. So I think it could have gone the same way. I think if he took the break to be like, Oh, I actually want to break up with her, but I don't know how to break that to her right now. Then it, we probably wouldn't have rekindled. Yeah, I think that's the key thing about breaks. I think nine out of 10 times they don't work because the intention of the break is not genuinely what's being put out there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, you want to see what else is out there or you're just like not in the mood to be committed right now or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But he really wanted to work on himself and he did. Mm -hmm. And that is what needed to happen. So whether it had happened, like to your point, like as a break where he went and did that and then, you know, realized he was ready or the way he went about it where things really ended and then a few months later picked back up. um, I think it worked out because he really did take that time to, you know, look within and grow and, and take, give you the space that you needed also. Yeah. 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 My other question, or not really question, but I feel like it's interesting that, you know, he had this first therapy appointment that led him to decide to end it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was a big emphasis on like continuing therapy and working through things in therapy, which then actually brought him back to you. Mm -hmm. 
I just, I find that really interesting. Yeah. It's so like, I mean, I feel like the self-absorbed part of me is like every time I'm like, I want to ask, like, did you talk about me with your therapist and like know what was said, but I know that that is not the point of it. But (laughs) I do think it's like, I don't know. I think it's kind of nice. Like it seems like his therapist has kind of like helped him work through a lot of like realization about like his readiness or lack thereof throughout this whole thing. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, I hear people saying like, oh, my partner is starting therapy and that's make like, I'm really anxious now because what are they saying about me? And is this Mm -hmm. therapist going to tell them our relationship isn't good and whatnot? And, you know, I think, actually, I'm not going to say what I was about to say because I don't want (laughs) to upset somebody who might listen. Um, But no, Jake, it's not you. (laughs) He just looked at me. Someone who's Um, currently listening. (laughs) (laughs) Now everyone's texting me being like, is it about me? No, don't worry. Um, But yeah, I feel like, you know, people will come to me also and and set up one-on-ones with me and talk about something going on in their relationship. And, you know, Obviously, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional, but I am a dating expert. And from my perspective, my goal is never to tell somebody like, oh, your relationship isn't working, break up with them. Or Mm -hmm. yeah, like they're the one. It's to really just ask the questions that let the person on the other side, you know, really think through things and process things and, and know, kind of bring out like what's in the back of their mind that they haven't really gotten to talk through and work through with anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to switch gears Mm -hmm. and talk about a fun topic, which is exes. Everyone's favorite. (laughs) Everyone's favorite. Specifically being friends with exes, which Mm -hmm. is not my favorite because I have tried many a time and have epically failed every (laughs) single time, but you have not failed every single time. I don't know, Alana, you and the listeners might feel differently after I go through this because so the ex that I would say I'm friends with, I'm putting it in air quotes. It was like very messy because first of all, like we didn't date for that long and it didn't dissolve for any crazy reason. So it was like, okay, there's no like really bad feelings. We, he lived in San Diego, I'm in LA. And I just feel like there wasn't a strong enough foundation to like, our schedules also didn't align. Right. It's like, I work a Monday to Friday. He works weekends a lot. So it was like, we couldn't even see each other every weekend if we wanted to. So we were just kind of like, okay, where is this going to go? The foundation wasn't strong enough for us to like push through and like fight for that. And he's like a friend of a friend. Like I met him at my friend's wedding. So it's like, okay, like he's in this friend group. He knows other people from my high school, whatever. But after we broke up, like we definitely had like a couple of rounds where it was like, oh, we're like hooking up. And then I would be like, I'm starting to like him again. I need to pull away. And then like, we also went on a trip together, actually. So a little fun plot twist. While you were broken up? (laughs) Um, Yeah, while we were broken up. And it was actually the period when Michael and I had broken up. I was just like, I'm, I was literally like pretty low, like not only because of the breakup, it was like the worst part of the pandemic. I couldn't do anything. It was like, okay, well, restaurants are closed. It's like dark at 5 PM. So it's not even like we can go and like do a picnic. I can't even walk, you know? So it was like, it was pretty rough. And I think like work was also a little crazy at that time. I was like, I don't really love this job right now. 
So I was like, I'm going to go insane. And he had like kind of thrown out there that he was going to do a road trip. And I was like, that's interesting. And I was like, wow, that sounds so awesome, blah, blah, blah. And I think he picked up my not so subtle hints that I would be interested. And so we like went to Arizona for like four days together. (laughs) I feel like this was just during the period where everyone was taking road trips to like Mm -hmm. Arizona and Colorado and Utah. Yeah. So I was really jealous that I didn't do that. (laughs) It was, I mean, it was a good time overall, but it was just like what it's still like messy. You know, like, are you really, can you really say that you're like friends? Like, I feel like we're in good regard and we have like gone through, he's had like multiple girlfriends and like, I obviously am now dating Michael and he knows he's met Michael, whatever. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like if we had made a clean break and never hooked up again, then I could be like, oh yeah, this is a true friendship. But I'm like, I feel like it's like a messy, like acquaintanceship. If you were single, throughout the past like year do you think there'd be this like back and forth of like will we won't we like occasionally maybe not I don't think I I think I reached a point where I was like we are not going to be together because like before Michael and I became official like at one point he came to like stay with me for a little while because he was like it working in events like he didn't really have a lot going on and so I was kind of like oh my god this made me like remember like how well we get along all of this stuff And then, you know, that was kind of it. And I was like, if there were ever a time to make it work, I know he doesn't like LA, but it would be now. And it's like, if the effort isn't there now, like it's not ever going to be there. And I also was kind of like, yeah, you know, I had only talked to Michael for a short period of time at that point before he was like, I'm not ready to date because of my ex, whatever. Um, But I was like, yeah, I feel like I've, it's not like that period where you look at your ex with rose colored glasses. Cause you're like, when am I going to meet someone I connect with like this? It's like, you've already met someone you connect with like this. And when you see that that other person isn't putting in the effort, it's like, I was like, it's not going to work, you know? So every yeah. time we hooked up subsequently, it was more just because I was like, Oh, I'm bored. And like, we're attracted to each other versus being like, maybe we'll get back together. I think that's huge. And I think that's something that probably made it like, almost a positive experience for you instead (laughs) Mm -hmm. of like a painful one because you you knew what else was out there and you Mm -hmm. knew that this was not your person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly like he's great nothing wrong with him but it's just like it's not meant to be for us yeah what do you think it takes for a couple to break up and actually be friends because we always hear this where you know someone's breaking up with the other person's like I care about you so much I hope we are in each other's lives I want to be friends blah 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 I feel like the litmus test of like oh I'm really friends with this person is like if you a don't feel uncomfortable or hesitant to tell them that you're dating somebody else and you also don't feel a certain type of way when they say that they are dating somebody and I think it's like I don't even know what it takes to get there that's like such a unique circumstance but I feel like it really has to be this thing where it's like we didn't break up for a contentious reason and like I don't know you realize that your connection was more friendship maybe than romantic all along I don't know. It's hard to get there, but I do feel like that's the one way you can tell that like you're real friends and that there's not lingering feelings. Yeah. It's tough, especially like in your case where, you know, it wasn't a contentious breakup, nothing bad really happened. And I actually think that makes breakups harder because, you know, you can't like quote unquote hate the person. Like Mm -hmm. you want to 
I feel like any breakup I've been through, it's like, I've been so upset. Like, how could this person hurt me like this? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they were ever to, you know, reach out, like I would have been like, yes, like, please come back to mm-hmm. me because I miss you. And because you were this person to me and I don't want to, you know, go on without you. So that's where I think it's really hard because I do think you really have to give it time for any feelings to go away. Yeah. And whether they're going away because, you know, you've gone no contact and you've taken time or they're going away because in your case, you met somebody else. Like, I think that unless you are both truly over each other, it's going to lead to a disaster. Yeah. Like one person is going to be upset at the very least. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same with like friends with benefits where it's like someone's going to catch feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I completely agree. Cause what's like, what's the difference? Like once you break up, if you're then still spending time together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's like, why can't you date me then if we get along clearly and we're sexually attracted to each other? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. One other thing that always happens with exes, and I always get a ton of questions about this, is the infamous, should I text my ex on their birthday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, the, not this ex from San Diego, but the ex before that, the one who it was like, we kind of broke up twice before like things ended and we had this whole long saga for like probably a couple years, we would text each other happy birthday. And I, I don't know. I was just kind of like, it seems like the non petty thing to do in a way like shows that you're like mature and over it, whatever. But then the more, especially after I started talking about him on the podcast and like really reflecting about our relationship and like the ways that I felt at various points in our relationship, I was like, why am I doing this? You know, like we actually met up after the breakup and he was like, I would love to be friends. And I said, no because I was just like, our friendship has run its course. Like I met him my freshman year of college. So it had been like exactly 10 years since we'd met. Wow. And I was just like, even when we were friends, I don't know that we were a hundred percent friends because it was like, we made out the first week that we met and then like nothing happened for years, you know, but it was still like, there was always that energy there. So I was like, I don't think it was ever a true friendship. And just like, I don't know. I just, it felt disingenuous on my end to be saying all of these things about how it was like kind of a bad relationship in a lot of ways and then be like, happy birthday. And like, you know, like not that I wish him a poor birthday, but it's just right. like, what is the point of this? Like we, we never talked afterwards. It would just be like on my end, happy birthday. And then like six months later, happy birthday. birthday. And that was it, you know? So I was like, it's just time to cut it off. Yeah, those are such funny conversations when it's like that. It's like, okay, maybe we should stop doing this. But I mean, I know the feeling of like it being your birthday, you miss somebody that like you're not over. And like, I've been there like staring at my phone all day, not being able to focus on the fact that it's my birthday or any other plans I had being like, am I going to hear from him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a horrible feeling. And that happened, I guess, most recently to me, in 2019, um, after a breakup I had just gone through and he did end up texting me and it's like, well then, okay, like, great. He texted me. Then what? Like, it's not like uh, there's nothing to continue after that. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's something where it's, if you're on the other side of that, where you're debating, should I text this person? 
I think you have to really think about what your intentions are with Mm -hmm. him. Are you texting them really just to be nice and friendly and say happy birthday? Fine, do it. Are you texting them because you hope that it can open the door to a conversation? Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do it. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Especially, especially if you are not over this person. Yeah. Do not do it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I just, it's just such a, I feel like an easy way to like kind of try and worm your way back in there. But I just don't, I can't imagine that anyone is like, oh, now I actually, this made me remember I'm in love with them. So like, let's rekindle. (laughs) Exactly. And like when I did end up getting that text in 2019, it's like, I definitely tried to respond and start a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that was not what he was going for or wanted. And so then I was they're disappointed and upset. Yeah. And I really think like, yes, there can be bad timing where you break up and you're going through a hard time and your birthday comes around. Like just go in with the expectation. Like I'm not going to hear from this person. Mm -hmm. And if I do fine, I'm just going to respond. Thanks. Yeah. Like that is really the best you can do. And honestly, you'll feel proud of yourself if you just respond. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would do. When I was a lot younger, I had a boyfriend break up with me a few days before my birthday. And then I was like, so depressed at work. It was like, he broke up with me on our way home from like an engagement party. So it felt like an extra punch to the gut. And then I was at work on my birthday. I just started like a new job. So it wasn't like I had a ton of friends at this job. And then like the delivery guy comes around with flowers. And I was like, oh my God, they're from him. They're from my mom. And I was like, I'm ashamed to say I was like disappointed when I saw the card. I was like, that was so sweet. But all I wanted was for it to be like, I made a mistake. Like, happy birthday. I want you back. And it's like, sadly, we did get back together, but it was not on that day. (laughs) Unrelated (laughs) to that. Yeah. That's a really funny plot twist there. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's just so much like added pressure and stress to, you know, I mean, I hate my birthday. If you're anything like me, this was actually the first year where I decided to not do anything for my birthday. And it was really freeing because Mm -hmm. I feel like every year I feel all this pressure to have a birthday thing that is easy and convenient for everyone, but not expensive because Mm -hmm. I don't want to make anyone spend money. And, you know, I don't want anyone to feel obligated to come or to stay for a certain amount of time. And I don't want to make anyone feel left out. So I'm always like, I always spend so much time and energy of like July and August leading up to my birthday, which is mid August, like trying to curate a birthday experience that would please everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not fun for me. So this, this year I was like, fuck that. Like I'm not doing anything. I I went to the zoo on my birthday and like, that was it. And it was great. So lovely. Yeah. But yeah, I I think birthdays already have enough like stress and, and pressure and, adding hoping to get a text from an ex and and how you can spin that into conversation is just not it's not it you guys no no save your energy (laughs) yes okay interstates and heartbreaks obviously a nod to the 405 the 101 the 10 Mm -hmm. the 5 Mm -hmm. all of those not so fun roads yeah um I want to hear a little bit about dating in LA yeah so On the topic of the freeways, I feel like anyone who knows LA knows it's like so trafficy. And I said this in another podcast last weekend, but as cheesy as it sounds, I feel like the traffic plays a part. And that's in two ways. Like, I feel like one, people in LA can have a reputation for being flaky. And I think that's for a few reasons. Like, I think the worst stereotype of it, which not everyone falls into, but like some people do, are you have the people who are like, 
I want to like say yes to something, but like if something better comes up, maybe I'll like back out of it. And then there's also people who are like, I sit in traffic so much, especially pre pandemic to like get to my job, whatever. So it's like, if you live over here or it's going to take an hour when I thought it was only going to take half an hour, people back out of things. Like I've not dated in New York, but I do feel like it's not, it's not easy. I will say like from all the interviews I've had, I'm like, it seems like really crazy in its own right, especially as a straight female. But I do feel like one thing that's nice is like, it's easier to kind of like bop around to a bar and like just head out to happy hour, like easily after work. And like, it makes it easier to like encounter people versus here. It's not really that easy. It's kind of like a mission to go out and like meet someone. Like my boyfriend told me his radius was only like three miles when we met. And so I was like, wow, I literally think I'm on like the tail end of that radius. So I like just barely slipped in there. But on my end, I was commuting 20 to 25 miles when we met. So my radius was huge because I was like, even if I meet someone who's like in the Valley, that's fine. Cause I like work out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I get it. I spent a semester like quote unquote abroad in LA and I lived in Burbank and I worked in Santa Monica. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was horrible. I was sitting in the car for an hour and a half. Yeah twice a day. And then I had to drive to class at night for three hours. Um, so I always wondered, like, I, I, I imagine dating in LA is so difficult because it's like, well, if you're at work and you have a date after work, are you driving to the date? Then you can't drink. Or are you driving home and then to the date? But do you even have time to do that? Mm -hmm. And like Ubering such a far distance is also a pain. And if you like, if you don't, my, my, I thought about LA was always like, cause I have debated going out there and living there for a while. And I was like, well, in order for me to be happy where, where I am there, I need to live where I work and I need to mm-hmm. live and work where my friends also live and work. And yeah. that's so unrealistic. It's tough. It's really tough. Like I definitely have friends who in theory aren't even that far away, like 15 minutes or 15 miles, let's say. But then with traffic, like who knows? And like one of my friends lives in the South Bay and it's like an amazing area. It's like, I would love to live there, but it's so far away from everything. It's kind of a bubble. It's not even close to like a freeway exit. So I do feel like when you have a friend who's in the South Bay, it's like you're going to be going to the South Bay like a lot. Yeah. It's like, like any, I mean, anytime my friends move out of Manhattan to like Brooklyn or Hoboken, I'm like, all right, we're now in a long distance friendship. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's tough. But what, you know, you obviously have a lot of experience dating in LA. What tips do you have for anyone who's out there? So I feel like one of the tips is like, this could be applied to anybody, but especially in, in LA, like don't take it so personally, like rejection specifically. I always say that like dating in LA is like being in a city of tens who are looking for an 11. I cannot take credit for that. My friend said that. And I'm like, that's so perfect. I love that. And it's just like, there's so many people who can make you feel bad about yourself. Like if you struggle with even an iota of self-esteem issues, like I've definitely struggled with being like, oh, like there's so many other hot girls out here. Like, why would I be special to somebody? So I feel like also just kind of like, you know, knowing that everyone is kind of going through that and like, allowing yourself to realize that you're not the only one, like you're not actually like less attractive than everyone else. Like you need to give yourself more credit than you probably do. I think that's huge. 
And, you know, there are a lot of guys in particular who I will say like have Peter Pan syndrome. So like they never want to grow up. They might be like 37, which like in another state, they would be settled down with multiple kids, but they're just like, oh, I have been endless time. I'm still dating like three girls at a time, whatever. I feel just like just remembering that like that says more about like them and I'm not saying it's bad, but it's like, if that's their life path, that's their life path. It doesn't say anything about like you as a person. Cause I think it can be easy to get down on yourself when you like maybe encounter a string of those people. If you're dating in a very intentional way and want a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally relate to, you know, your point about the self-esteem stuff. Like I, forget when it was. It was one of the times I visited LA. I went out to dinner and it was my first night being back there. And I remember walking to the bathroom and every single person I passed, I was just like, I don't belong here. Yeah. I still feel like that sometimes depending on where you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Well, on a brighter note, (laughs) my final question for you, my favorite question to ask is... What is the best piece of dating and relationship advice you've ever received? I would say, I know people always say you can't date for potential. And I would say that also applies to like when you're on the apps, like you can't swipe for potential. And I went through dating burnout really hard. And I think part of that was because I went on so many dates that I like wasn't excited about and would say like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with them. But it's like, you shouldn't say like, oh, maybe I'll go on the date and they'll wow me with like these surprise traits. I feel like if you're really being intentional and like want to respect your time and energy, like you have to go on dates that you're excited about. And that starts with like swiping on people who you feel like you might have a legitimate connection with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes such a difference in, you know, how much fun you can have with dating. You don't want it to feel like a drag. You don't want it to feel like a job and you want to be excited. So I think that is such, such a good point. Yeah. Leslie, thank you so, so much for being here. This has been so great. Where can everybody find you? So I've had an amazing time. Thank you again for having me. Um, You can find me at Interstates and Heartbreak, all spelled out on Instagram or on TikTok. Um, And if you want to just, you know, follow my personal you know, adventures. You can find me at Leslie Nope on Instagram. That's L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for being here. And to everyone who listened, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to give a five-star rating and review if you haven't yet on Apple or a five-star rating on Spotify. Takes two seconds. It goes a long way. If you love this episode or if you have a friend who you think would benefit from listening to it, send it to them, send it to the group chat, send it to your coworker, your dog walker, whoever wants to listen. There's a lot they can learn from this and from Leslie. And thank you guys again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.